Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Martin, I'm so excited. Why are you excited? I'm so excited because... Is it because that's big? Well, that is big, and we're going to talk about that. Oh, you're excited that for something else? Okay, being what, what the we got? slab of uh, metal and plastic and LCD pixels or OLED pixels, I don't know, because I can't just say that to an audience. What, of what else do we got? Um, my whetstone came in the mail. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so time to get real sharp. I, I am. Why didn't you just use that rock? It doesn't work. It's the same well, thing. For the, for it's one, basically the same for thing. For one, it has a face painted on it. It's the same thing. And I don't think that this rough and oblong surface is no, going to quite. They're trying the job. to rip you off. Any old rock would have done the trick. That's true. I, I have to slightly apologize because I bought you a knife sharpener for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Basically the same one I have, yeah. but I just haven't been able to get a good sharp edge off of that knife sharpener, the one I own, on my uh, chef's knife. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll work for me. Maybe I'm just bad at it. Maybe. But uh, I was watching a YouTube channel called Alex French Guy Cooking, which is great. And I don't know if you want to watch it. There's a lot of butter involved. Though he does have a ramen series. Actually, never mind. You, you should watch it. And other people should watch it because it's great. But he did a whole video on knife sharpening, and I had seen some sharpening videos in the past. But the people were recommending like these three hundred dollar whetstone sets, and I didn't want to drop three hundred bucks. And then in his video, he just bought like a thirty dollar one on Amazon. Nice. And he got the same like razor sharp edge on a chef's knife, where you could just cut paper with zero effort. The only downside to the one he bought was the base was kind of flimsy, so I'm gonna have to figure out how to nicely keep it down on the counter. That's cool. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But I'm really excited because our chef's knife is dull, and it's going to be sharp that's, probably tonight. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know what we haven't done in a while? Uh, no. Five questions. <clears throat> so I think it is high time that, actually. to do five questions. Yeah, I would say you probably would know that since I did know. you write the show notes and find the five questions. Okay, spoilers. I know about the behind the scenes. That is true. Because I am behind the scenes. The BTS. As you now know I didn't of know the that. acronym. I didn't know that. Oh, thank you, my good sir. Yeah. Uh, Look at I, this. I didn't. Whoever I complained know. in the comments about me not pouring tea for Martin, there it is. Real fancy. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know like video acronyms. Yeah. I don't hang out on the YouTubes. When you asked about it, I was like, actually, I don't know why I would have expected Martin to know automatically what BTS means. Yeah, I don't you know. usually see it in like break I mean, the system. There we go. Yeah, it, it is break the system. It's inspiring. That's like the second most common definition right there. Good, maybe it is now. <laughs> or boil the soup. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we have five questions today, and I think that I may have actually just sent you a lot of these questions. Looking at them now, uh, three of them. Three of them. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, we've got questions about the iPad Pro which I ended up getting yesterday, so that's why we're going to talk about it. Nerd. Uh, we got some questions about focus. We got some questions about filming videos and about audiobooks versus paper books. So, yeah, 
take us away with the first one, my good sir. Yeah, well, I think I think that uh, more of the taking away will be done by you because the first question is, what do you think of the iPad Pro for students? <laughs> I think more of the taking away will be done by Ernie. That is true. Ernie does take it away real, real good. <laughs> Still my favorite scene in the so Harry you, Potter you movies. You just got this. You've been I did. It so I've been getting questions about the iPad Pro and specifically the Apple Pencil and the iPad Pro and how they go together and how they work for note-taking for a long time. Problem was, I had never tried it. So my answer was IDK. Uh, you hadn't even like gone into basically. the store and just messed around with it? Nope, had never done it. Mm-hmm. Literally yesterday was the first time I had ever even touched an Apple Pencil. But my laptop battery has been getting really bad, and I know I could replace it. As but do. I wanted to experiment with working with an iPad, seeing how close it could come to replacing a desktop and I got to say, these are first impressions, and I'm going to do a video maybe in about a month where I'll do a more in-depth, like, later on impressions video. But I got to say, this is the first time that I could ever even come close to saying that you maybe could replace a laptop with an iPad. Hmm. Never before. I've, I've tried it in the past with normal iPads. I tried it in the past with an iPad mini, just seeing how close I could get. I know that you've done some, like laptop replacement with a tablet for writing at least yeah i don't know if you still do that at all uh when i need to write which is rarely so you don't you don't ever write on your laptop now um you don't write a ton i don't need to write a lot at all you mainly just code recent days yeah i mostly code which i do on my laptop Mm -hmm. so in the past i just thought that ios was way too limiting and the fact that you could only have one thing open at a time was good for single focus things. Yeah, that's but, actually why I liked it. But really bad for flexibility. Um, really bad for being able to easily go through your file system. And in the probably eight hours of time I've had this thing so far, I will say in general that you could probably replace a laptop with this if you are a student that does casual kind of work. And by that I mean you're not doing stuff in AutoCAD, you're not I don't know, doing statistical modeling and jump. Uh, you're not coding hardcore. You can code. There's definitely IDEs for the iPad, but I don't know. Maybe I should try it out. I'm not yet sure if the iPad is like prime time for developers. Uh, and you can definitely do like Photoshop and sketching stuff, but I wouldn't use it for video editing yet or like podcast editing or oh, any yeah. sort of like heavy media creation. But I will say I wrote the entire script for a video on this thing today and the ability to have split screen now with any app made it really easy for me to put my research on one side and my uh, script on the other side. Yeah, and the and screen's that was big really enough nice. to where the split screens actually matter. It actually matters now, the yeah. Split screen on, like, if this had split screen, it would not be that helpful. Yeah. I have the iPad mini, and I've done split screen on that, and it's it's so small that it's just distracting to, to use. It's, like, painful to use. And one of my biggest things is if your tool is painful to use, you're not going to use it. Yeah. That's why I like to talk about sharp knives. I don't want to use a dull knife. It makes me not want to cook. And with a tiny little screen, I'm not going to do split screen. It just doesn't work. With this thing, it was great. And I can kind of show you what I did. Um, so I just had my Google Docs on one side where my whole script was. And then my Evernote is where I keep all the research. So I can just go through here, scroll on this side, find all the little points that I've taken from different websites, from different, site, or different uh, scientific studies, and then... I wrote them into my script. That was really nice. It is pretty. Um, The biggest thing I want to talk about, though, and I got a little bit of time to play with this, is the pencil itself. So 
There's an app. Whoops. <laughs> I pushed it too hard. There's an app called Nebo. Actually, it's kind of perfect that I did that because it needs to lay flat. It's called Nebo, N-E-B-O. And this is where the pencil really comes in handy because you can write and then double tap what you've written and it will change your handwriting to normal printed text really? super easily. And in the because testing I've done, cool. it's really accurate. Um, you can do dashes to make bullet lists. You can do numbers to make numbered lists just like, just like you could on a normal piece of paper. And the best thing is there's a, so there's a pen tab where if you're on that, it's just writing mode. So it's going to expect that you're writing stuff like you would normal sentences, and then it will convert them to sentences or bullet lists or what have you. You can go over to add and you've got a few different options. There's a sketch diagram and math. So you can choose any one of these and it'll give you a box to do either one of them. So if you want to do like an algorithm diagram with boxes and arrows going to the next steps, I drew this and I just converted it into this nice little boxes here. So if you want to you, do math You can draw a lazy little rectangle, write something in it. Yeah. And then, and then so, it turns into a good one. I mean, people aren't going to be able to see this, but I'm going to hit math right now. And then I'll do a sigma sign. And let's just do four n equals one n plus one is my sigma. Double tap it. Converted it perfectly. Okay, that's to a math actually equation. that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So this is the Didn't first think time. I'd be impressed by anything. I know, right? You're not very easily impressed. I'm. I don't care about technology. I'm cynical, you know. But that's yep. pretty cool. And tech. So tech wise, I've always been cynical about doing any kind of math notes on a device because it's always been a pain in the butt to type math equations. I guess you could get good at latex. I've never done that, but I know that some people type out math equations in latex. This is the first time where I've ever seen a device that seamlessly blends the ability to type out notes, to handwrite notes, and to be able to draw in diagrams and math equations and have them look good. Yeah, that's really cool. I still need to test it a little bit. Um, I have not yet tested its export functions, so I need to figure out, like, does it have a really clean sync to Evernote or Google Drive, or, or do you just use the app itself? And I don't know. I guess I can't be too picky with that because if I were using a normal paper notebook, the sync options are a little bit wonky there too. I mean, yeah, you have to like take pictures and scan yeah. them into stuff. And I've been I've been um, experimenting with something called the Rocket Book, which I'll probably do a review of my channel at some point. But the Rocket Book has these pages that you can wipe clean with a damp paper towel or a damp cloth. And there's also a row of icons at the bottom. And then you can go into their app and you can configure which or what each icon does. So maybe like the heart icon would send to your math notebook and Evernote. Um, and then like the star icon would maybe email something to you. So you could take a page of notes, mark off the icon that you want, and then scan it, and it will do that automatically. That's pretty cool. If this app has similar functionality where I could port my notes over to Evernote or I could port them to Google Drive, I think that would make it a pretty much a slam dunk. Um, there's also a camera thing. There's also an image thing, so you can import images and you can take pictures if you need to. And actually, that could be pretty cool because I'm imagining like if you're in a lecture and you need to quickly snap a picture of a slide that the professor's just like zooming through, you could do that and it would just be in your notes instantly. Mm, that is true. And I know you could do that with Evernote, but I guess this is like the first time where you could be handwriting your notes and then be like, oh, I really need to snap a picture of that. Boom, you could do it. So as far as the note-taking experience goes, I am pleasantly surprised. Um, also, the wrist detection, like it detects when your hand is on the screen and doesn't, doesn't uh, draw anything on it. So it also means that for the first time, a drawing app like this, you can actually get in there and 
draw with detail and not have to hover your hand over the oh, screen. Oh, yeah, because you lose a lot of control. You really do. do so I think like this is the first time with a tablet I could actually draw something and make it look semi-decent nice if I practiced. That's not a nice face. It's a really bad it's looking a great face. face. But <laughs> I never claimed to be an artist. That is why uh, we hired your girlfriend <laughs> to do the thumbnails for this podcast. Fair. Um, my complaints so far, and I want to stress that these complaints may be just like my own complaints because I'm very set in my ways, having been doing CIG for, I don't know, eight years now, which is kind of sad and makes me feel old. So old. But that's fine. I'm okay with being old. Look at me. I'm like drinking tea and thinking about buying plants and thinking about knife sharpeners. I'm officially old. It's fine. Yeah, that's... No longer relatable. That's Hello, fair. fellow I kids. Got, I got real excited in the container store about organization. And I know, I was right? like, ah. Oh, yeah, you so know what? boring. The only time I ever tweeted I, Justine, was to ask about her cabinets. That means I'm old. I'm <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I feel really sad about that, but it's okay. Because those cabinets were pretty dope. That's that's fine. <laughs> I can assuage my sadness with new cabinets. Um, the complaints I have, the first real complaint that I had is Evernote needs to get their act together. Um, so with, with uh, Google Docs, if I put something in split screen next to Google Docs, it works perfectly. I can exit the app and I can come back into it and it's right where I left it. Okay. Problem with Evernote, and I'm get, they could probably fix this. This is an easy fix. If I come into a note and I'm looking at my research and I'm scrolling through and I've got the note like filling up the whole of that half screen instead of having the sidebar of all my other notes there, I want it to stay there. But say I need to go and uh, look something on the, on the internet. Okay, I do that and then I come back. The problem is Evernote reverts back to here. Oh, I, I see. Okay. It not only reverts back to having that sidebar of all the notes there, it the note is no longer open. So I have to tap it and I have to scroll back to where I was and I have to full screen it again. This doesn't happen when it's in full screen mode. It only happens when it's split screen with something else. So it doesn't make Evernote like useless, but if you want to use it side by side with another app like I'm doing, then hmm. that is an annoyance. And the other annoyance that I came up with was, this is probably something a lot of people don't care about, but... I do a lot of research where I'll pull quotes or I'll pull the conclusions of scientific studies or I'll pull little bits and bobs from articles into Evernote and I'll build a research document. I like to paste without formatting when I do that. Oh, so I have everything in here. one nice font and font size. You can't do that with the iPad version. Hmm. I tried, I was like command shift V because that's the control or that's the shortcut on the Mac. It does nothing. So I had to deal with like one piece of text in here being a bunch of, you know, different font size and font color and font weight than everything else. Maybe I'll just have to get used to that. Uh, it may be a nice trade-off because on the flip side, this thing has a 10-hour battery. Nice. Which is going to last me all day. And it has the pencil, which is going to give well, me and, some And they could fix those things. Those are easy yeah. to fix. Like who those knows they're not working on them right now. I don't know. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to bring up is that I am probably more demanding than almost anybody because I have a Windows computer, I have a MacBook Pro, and now I have an iPad. So I need a note-taking app that works across all three of those. And if I want one that has like the sidebar of all my notes, that like drill-down tree structure that I like so much, 
if I want that and cross-platform between Windows and iOS and Mac, I'm basically limited to Evernote and OneNote. That's it. But if you're buying an iPad, I think it's more than likely that you're not on Windows. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, but I would imagine most people who buy an iPad and they're thinking about using it as a daily driver are probably Mac people in the first place, which means they could use something like Bear or Simple Notes or Apple's Notes and that's probably not going to have the same quirks that Evernote has. Yeah. So yeah, those are my overall first impressions. Uh, I'm pretty happy so far. And I am legitimately surprised about how good the handwriting works, especially in that app. So for some students, this could legitimately, depending on their needs, it could be their laptop. It could that be. That they take notes on. Yeah. Um, I will say the other thing, though, is, is it costs a lot. Yeah. So... Like, yeah, that's the flip side. I here. added up all that. I mean, I've had this keyboard for a while, but I think that this keyboard's like 100 bucks or something like that. Yeah, Apple accessories know. are always expensive. They're really expensive. And the Apple Pencil itself is 100 bucks. So, like, you buy the iPad Pro, and the price point changes based on what you want. Yeah. There's, like, sizes of storage, and then there's also, do you want cellular or not? Um, I wanted cellular because I wanted a device that... Basically, I could go to a coffee shop. If they happen to have terrible Wi-Fi, I could be like, I don't care. Yeah. I can still work here. Um, and it was, for me at least, not a huge upgrade in price. But it is expensive. And I looked up on Apple's website. You could get the base model MacBook Pro for the same price. And you could get either of the MacBook Airs for less money. And they they do, for the most part, have more functionality yeah. minus the pen. You don't have the pen, so you're not going to get that note-taking experience. But in terms of like traditional desktop PC features, like being able to have um, two instances of an app next to each other. I think like in Microsoft Word, you can open two different documents and put them side by side. Yeah. Or in Evernote, you can do that. You can open two different notes, have them side by side. I do that all the time. Uh, you can't do that. And then, I mean, if you have Google Docs downloaded on the iPad, I'm pretty sure it's going to open up any document that you try to open up in Safari within the app. So right yeah. now, I think they don't, what do they call it? Like multi-app instancing, I think they call it. It's not know. an iOS yet. That may change, but right now it's a limitation. The only exception to the limitation is within Safari, there is a split screen view you can open up. So you can have two tabs open next to each other, which is nice. But yeah, in terms of like, the old school features that everyone is used to having on a desktop, this doesn't have that. So you have to really want to use the pencil. Yeah. And I would say you like- you gotta have the money. And you gotta have the money. You yeah. gotta need it though too, because like this is shiny and beautiful and like looking at it, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I had that. But at the same time, I'm not going to buy it because it does not fill a legitimate need in my life. Yeah. And so, so don't assume that magic gadgets will make you more productive for some reason. That's Well, that's one of the bigger differences between you and me. Is I think like I am more swayed by wanting to play with the latest thing and figure out systems. Well, yeah, yeah but the, there stuff. you and you're know, very essentialist. You know that part of it is that you just want to play with it, though. Yeah, I very so, much do. So if you're like, I don't think I could ever take good notes without the iPad Pro, that is probably not true unless there is a very specific need. I know it's not true so, because I have made over 110 videos yeah. on my YouTube channel, most of which have required research. And I've taken notes on paper or in Evernote, just typing with those. So, yeah, so it is not essential. Don't, don't feel like you're ruined because you can't get an iPad Pro, yeah. or don't drop all your <laughs> money for it, thinking it's the only way to pass math class. Yeah, much learning has been done throughout human history. Without this, without computers, 
without nonsense pens and ink even so it is not essential but it is cool and no, it for is really cool a specific type of person who it's within their budget mm-hmm. and they really like that idea of a of a single workflow where they can write and they can type and they can draw diagrams and they can have it all electronically searchable and indexed within one device and in the cloud like that's pretty cool oh the other thing that i thought about before we started podcasting but haven't tried yet is because of the split screen stuff i could have um nebo open in one pane and then if i'm researching something okay well let's just take safari and throw in another pane and then i could literally be taking notes or maybe it doesn't work i don't know <laughs> we'll find out it didn't like that i didn't like that i don't know maybe oh, oh there it no goes. it's it did just work. lagging it's yep. fine cool so i could split screen these two apps I could take notes right here on something that I'm researching right there. Yeah. That could be pretty convenient. See, Ashley's wanted one of these for a while, so I'll just let her get one, and then I'll play with it when I'm bored. Yeah, there you go. You know, you know and then I'm I don't fine with letting Ashley play with this as well if she wants to try it out and see how the pencil works. It's, it's pretty cool. I was pretty surprised. But yeah, that's that's the iPad Pro. All right. Uh, on to not our apparently secret sponsor, <laughs> Apple, which they're not really sponsoring this, but you know they, they should pay us for that spot. They should. Uh, the next question is, how can I get my focus back after a Pomodoro break? So you t- you do your Pomodoro session, you got your like 15, 20 minute break or something like that, but then you're broken. Do another Pomodoro. What do you do? See, that is possible. That is definitely an option. Uh, I just talked for like 20 minutes, so I want to hear your answer on this. On this, I would say that if it's something you think you're going to need a lot of time on, you should leave a lot of buffer time after your original timer. So I've ha- I've had a couple things that I've been doing for 30 minutes a day, but I don't only set aside 30 minutes in the morning in my schedule for them. I have more time than that yeah. because half of the time, in fact, probably more than that, I get really into one of them and then I don't have any idea what time it is. I go way past the timer yep. and then I'm like, there you go. But if the timer goes off and then I look at the clock and I go, well, it's time to do something else. As soon as I get momentum, I kill it. And that doesn't yep. make any sense. So yep. if it's something that you know that you you might get really into, or you, in fact, my half hour today turned into two hours because the really? clock is not displayed on my computer. So I have no idea what time it is unless I open my you phone You got rid up. of the clock? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know you could do that. I love it. I guess it makes sense that you could do it. I and just I, never thought about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I love it. So I had no idea. I was just like, it hasn't been too long, right? I'm just going to finish this up. And then two hours passed. And I finished the French Duolingo tree, which I was just reviewing. The whole tree? The whole tree. I did like Like, 40 lessons this morning. You're done in French Duolingo, basically, except for review? Uh, I have completely finished all lessons in French, Spanish, and Japanese now. Wow. But because I was like, there are only like 40 new lessons left, I'm just going to keep working on it. I want to finish it. And I had no idea it had been two hours or else I would have been like, wow, whoa, we need to do something else right now. And that would have killed the motivation that just finished something. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's that's the biggest thing for me. I'm constantly caught between like the my disgust at myself for how long I sit and don't move in the day. But also between what you said half an hour is often not enough time to really get into momentum and get something worthwhile done so i don't know i wish like in a perfect world i guess i could say get up and walk around every 30 minutes but also buckle down and work for an hour or two that just doesn't work i guess my sort of stance on pomodoro is it is something to get you into the flow state of working yeah but 
I always ignore the timer when it goes off. I never take a five minute break. Almost ever. Yeah. Like it's only when I'm sitting there and I know I should be editing this video or I know I should be researching for this hydration script, but my brain has so much resistance because of the complexity and daunting nature of the task. So I'm like, well, Tom, you know what you could do instead is go read some reviews of iPads or look at car engine specs. That would be pretty kind of fun. And you would actually learn something too. It'd be kind of productive, but something it's like not. That. So what I do is I take out my phone and I open Tide and I just hit the thing and it's like, all right, you are going to work for 25 minutes. And once 15 or 20 minutes goes by, now I'm in the zone. Now I'm going. And my brain doesn't want to think about anything else. So that timer goes off and I ignore it. Or I'll just start a new session. Yeah. I think usually after two is when I'll take a break. An hour is a good stopping point for me. Because I do want to get around. I do want to move. I don't want to keep I don't want to keep sitting in my chair and I don't know, developing back problems or whatever bad health. Yeah, yeah. You want to get up consequences eventually. happen because I sit all the time. Um, but in terms of coming back in after one, I think it's the same as coming in back after any kind of break. If you're feeling demotivated or if you're feeling distracted, if you're feeling that resistance again, that's what the tool's for. So start a second session. And the other thing is, this isn't just about Pomodoros, but you need to be clear on what exactly you're doing right now. I think the biggest derailer for me is looking at my list of things I need to do today. And even if it's just three things, I'll be like, uh, well, I don't know what you're going to do. So I won't do any of them. Oh, I So I got to pick one. And I keep looking at the camera because we're still using the camera. With oh, yeah, it's time got limit. that time so, limit. Yep. So, yeah, pick one and then reset the Pomodoro. Yeah. And I mean, the only I keep going because I'm like, but I'm going to finish this thing. I'm going to finish this. Yeah. And if I don't really know what I'm finishing and I'm like confused and I'm just sure I could take the break if I want to. But if I have a set goal, then the timer doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. All right, question number three is what? Uh, question number three, and this one, this one's probably going to be longer than the other questions, is that are mm. audiobooks as effective as paper or Kindle reading books? Define effective. Yeah, see, this is, this is my thing. first thing here because in, in theory, you can get the same information from both. Your brain is fully capable of listening. We heard stories way before we wrote them down. Yep. It's, it's not weird. But what do you view as effective, and how are you listening to audiobooks? Because reading isn't a contest, and uh, you're not better or worse than anyone because you intook a story in a slightly different way. That is just the most absurd thing I could think. Yeah. Like, I remember the third word of that one sentence in chapter four. You're a loser. It doesn't mean anything. Yep, exactly. So, I guess, I don't know, this, this may be interesting because you listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I mm. very much don't. You don't at all, do you? And you don't listen to podcasts or anything, do you? No. Although I have listened to a few audiobooks uh, un unwillingly, but I did successfully listen to them. Unwillingly? Is it, does back that mean like in, Ashley is playing Back in, in college, or? Ashley was feeling nostalgic and decided to just say, whatever, I'm going to play like one of those Princess Diaries books I loved when I was younger. <laughs> and so I know enough of the first several of those books to make inside jokes about them, <laughs> which means I clearly intook the story. But it was it was right before sleeping, okay. right? So at that time, you're, oh, you're she, not she doing anything else. By going to bed? Yeah. We, okay. we, we generally need some sort of noise to block out stuff if neighbors are being loud or something. Gotcha. But do you okay. guys still do that? No, not, not now. Oh, I guess it's concrete walls now, so it's yeah. Not now it's not that big of a deal, but it was right before bed, so we're focusing on one thing, and I think that's the that's the downside of audiobooks is that 
There is nothing about the format of audiobooks that says you cannot focus on them. Mm-hmm. But the way people use them may lead you to think, oh, I don't, I don't, I can just not pay attention. And well, if that's what your attitude is, you are the problem, not the audiobook. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're paying attention to two things at once, well, that's not how your brain works. So secretly, you're, you're splitting focus back and forth over and over. And one of them is going to lose focus to the other. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm driving and listening to a book. I can focus on that if the drive is rather rote, and, and that might be great. But in that same scenario, if I'm trying to get on the interstate at rush hour, I probably need to pause that book because if I pay attention to the book, I might kill myself getting onto the interstate. True. And if I stop to pay attention to driving, I might miss some of the book. And maybe that doesn't bother you, depending on the story you're reading, or it's a yeah. nonfiction and you're not there for every word because you know it's not as important. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of just a focus trade-off. Like, what what yeah, do you want really from it? So my thoughts on audiobooks, I listen to a ton of them. Yeah. Um, and I listen to both. I don't want to say fiction and nonfiction because I don't think that that is a good delineator for judging whether or not it is more effective than print. I want to set the delineator at stories that you are intaking for the main purpose of enjoying the story versus books that you are intaking for the main purpose of learning something you can apply later. I think that's where you should set the delineation, not nonfiction and fiction, because there's plenty of narrative nonfiction that I listen to and I love, and I don't care if I've gleaned 10 new tips for my life out of The Cuckoo's Egg by Cliff Stahl. That's one of my favorite books, but I don't, there's nothing in that I need for my life. It was just a fascinating story. Um, for me, like number one, audiobooks fit into my life better than normal books. They just do because I have a complicated work life, which requires me to do a crap ton of research, write scripts, film things, edit videos, do podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And then I really like to play video games. So there's very little time left over that I'm willing to sit down that I would spend on reading. I still do some, but there's not a ton. I want to spend a lot of time writing. And I also have a big dedication to moving a lot, to doing a lot of walking, to going to the gym, to going to the parkour gym or playing DDR, playing basketball, or uh, going on bike rides in the summer when it's warm, going on hikes. Like I want to be moving a lot. And at night I want to be cooking and I can't read while I'm doing those things, but I can listen to audiobooks. So for me, they are a perfect format for my life. If the choice is between not reading at all and yeah. listening to it and maybe losing a little focus. Yeah, that's what it then is. Then it's still 80% of the story is still 80%. You know? Yeah. And so I mentioned this in the last episode. Uh, I was reading the chapter, literally reading the chapter for uh, the liking part of Weapons of Influence. And I got about 10 pages into it. And then my time just ran out. And, you know, I said, you know what? I've got an extra credit on Audible. I'm just going to buy it. I don't care that I own it. And I actually own it in three formats now because I had bought the print version (laughs) a long time ago. I bought the Kindle version. I think I forgot that I had the print version or maybe I wanted it for highlighting purposes. I don't remember. And now I have it on Audible. But I'm actually getting through it on Audible because it's very hard for me to say, okay, I've been sitting here typing all day. I've been sitting here crushing emails. I've been sitting here, you know, maybe even I'm standing at the desk, but I'm still sedentary. I'm going to stand there crushing emails or working on a script. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a break and go sit in a different chair 
and read this chapter. And like, it's a cool book, but it's not the book that I would choose to read right now because my interests are like cooking and yeah. my interests are like the math book that I'm reading. So I don't want to do that. But what I can very easily convince my brain to go do is, hey, I'm going to go sh- casually shoot some baskets or I'm going to go walk to the far grocery store, pick up a few things I need because that's going to get me some movement in for the day. I'm going to get out and get some fresh air and enjoy it. And I'll just listen to the chapter while I do it. Now, I do think because this is a book that we're trying to apply, we're trying to teach out of actually you and me, then there's a little bit more that needs to be done. So when I'll do this, I'll listen to the chapter and that's my way of intaking it in the moment and going through every word. But then because I own it on the iPad or because I own it in print, I can go back through and skim the chapter and I can easily and instantly recognize the parts that I wanted to talk about later. So that way, you know, I've said in my Audible ads before, you can stop and you can pause and you can uh, make a bookmark and you can add a note to it. And sometimes I do that, but if I'm on a long bike ride, I'm not doing that. Oh, well, yeah, that would be I'm absurd. Not and if you're that. driving, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> you should definitely not do that if you're driving. No. Like the UX is just not there yeah. for that kind of instant response. Exactly. So I will just, you know, for me, it's not a huge expense. Um, and for anybody who maybe they did pay for the audiobook, you could go check it out at the library. You go through it afterwards and you can uh, scan stuff. You're going to instantly recognize it. It's much different than scanning a chapter you've never read because everything is unfamiliar. If you scan a chapter you have read, it's just a process of reviewing it. Yeah. And you're going to synthesize it better. And in terms of stories, uh, where you're taking the story in in the moment just for enjoyment, I think it's about equal. But if you get the right narrator, it can really add something extra to the story. Not every story is like this, but the one example I keep coming back to is The Martian. The dude who narrated the Martian's audiobook did such a good job that I'm I'm so glad I listened to it rather than read it. Whereas for like Ready Player One, I liked Will Wheaton's narration, but I didn't feel that it added anything essential to the book. So I could have easily just read that. And actually Anna has said mm. that Ready Player One is one that you should probably read because there's a lot of weird like hacker like spellings of certain names and stuff oh, that you yeah. don't there's get definitely in the audiobook. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then right now I'm, I'm listening to Neil Stevenson's Anathem, which is a ridiculously complex and dense speculative fiction book where everything is made up. It's on a different planet. Um, he basically like constructed a world from scratch. And one of the reviews I read for the book on audible, the dude said, I'm really glad that I own this in both print and audible because in audible, you get these really cool, like chants that they do in this monk order that they live in. So it's really immersive and there's kind of like a, it's not a full cast, but they have more than one narrator. Oh, nice. But the book has so many made up terms that there are dictionary sections. And he said, having <laughs> access to the print version was really helpful to go back and look at something just to puzzle out what something might mean. Yeah. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense because the book I'm reading now, if I listen to it and I don't, like, it's a David Mitchell book. He did Cloud Atlas, you know? Yeah, so complicated. I'm, like, I read three-fourths of the way through this chapter before I was like, wait a second, part of this was in the past, and yep. and it just <laughs> seamlessly, hold on, let me just, okay, I got it. You got to flip back through and got to understand it. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, so in-depth that if I miss a few words, it very much changes how much I get out of it. Yeah. But another story, like uh, Princess Diaries, for example, there's not a whole lot of depth for me to be exploring, not a lot of immersion needed that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Print it. That's a very easy book to go through. Well, and, and also, I guess, uh, speaking of immersion, I like to not think of the real world at all when I'm reading a story. Yeah. And 
a lot of like I love it if a book can make me cry or give me goosebumps or like inspire me and I get stuck on this beautiful sentence and I'm just like that is an amazing thought I should remember that forever but if I'm like on the bus or something I'm not just gonna like burst into tears listening Mm -hmm. to the I'm, I'm gonna withhold all my emotion because that's what I will naturally do on a bus so depending on the story, I would find that very difficult. Yeah. I don't know if I listened to too many books that would make me burst into tears. Yeah, I think I would avoid those kind of books if I was listening I in may public. read those kind of books, yeah. Like Ooh, the unless, kind of books I gravitate to story-wise, I mean, the last ones that I listened to were The Martian, um, Reem D by Neil Stevenson. I can't remember the last one, but I gravitate to science fiction and fantasy, and there's usually not a yeah. whole lot of like emotional tearjerker stuff in there. It's just a fact of the genre. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. I will say if I wanted to listen to an audiobook for fiction, because, because I personally want to use it as a form of escapism and Mm -hmm. not exist in the real world. If I was just sitting on this nice recliner with a glass of the finest red wine, staring at a fireplace in a robe, listening to a book, that would be very immersive and wonderful. And basically no different focus level than if I was reading the words. You know what? If I ever have a real fireplace, I may do that. Like that would be that would be really cool, in yep. my opinion. That's like the best way that I could intake that. Because, mm-hmm. but but it's really about what focus you want out of each book. Because yeah. I don't care if you didn't if you skimmed chapter three of this productivity, you, you don't get goosebumps or inspiration from these anecdotes the same way you no, do you like certain other things. It just doesn't. It's not that important. So if you're in yeah. a book club, you know and. And you listen to the audiobook, and everybody's just like, oh, you listen to the audiobook. That's cheating. Like, it's not how cheating. do you know they it's didn't fine. read the paper books <laughs> distracted and didn't actually understand half of it, and yeah. you understood more? Like, the formats themselves don't make the difference. There's your, no your such Your level of thing. attention does it. Exactly. There's no such thing as cheating. If anything, writing is a more abstracted form of communication than, than speaking is. So it, it's a more recent invention uh, that should make it less legitimate than oral communication, not more. I think that they're equal in terms of reading a book. And I guess you could make the argument that the book was written, so I guess it should be no, read. No. But Some of those do no. have a point because like like in The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland, they spell jail in a very old-fashioned yeah. so way if, and yeah, you lose flavor. There are flavor. specific artistic uh, injections in, in the print itself, then yes, you should experience that in the print. But, you know, and there's all sorts of details we could get into with print it's much easier to regress though it's not bad with audible there's a, uh, a back 30 seconds button well which i think I use the a lot. ux of a, of a print book is simply easier for now because yeah. i can scan everything real fast and say oh wait okay immediately back to where i was there's no like mm-hmm. confusion but with audiobooks on the other hand like there are plenty of books that have special linguistic things you'll get from reading but if yeah. there are plenty of like those um kind of comedian memoir books that I've heard are much better in audio, like Tina Fey oh, and, yeah. and, and like those kind of people, much better when you've listened to it. Well, I haven't read the, or listened to those, but... Because often um, they narrate their own stuff. Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, he narrates it, and I could not even fathom reading that book now. Like, to me, audio is the way to take it in. Yeah. One, because Anthony Bourdain narrates it, and he does, he does not just dryly narrated he has his way of speaking and it is beautiful and when there's a lot of emotion in a sentence or something he does it the way he probably would have done it in real life and i can't pronounce french words but he can there you go so when he says no french literacy or something like that i if i was reading it i would be like gaud mauji but i hear him saying it (laughs) and now i know oh that's what that word sounds like 
So, you know, there's there's that. And I think there's a whole lot of nitpicking we can get into. But for me, the biggest things that it comes down to are, one, reading a book forces you into a sedentary position. For one, I don't want to be like that. But for two, on the positive side, it does force you to give all of your attention to the book. Yeah. So that's kind of a plus on print side. Uh, and with audiobooks, it's like kind of the opposite. Audiobooks sort of encourage you to go do something while you're listening. So maybe you're not as fully engaged. But the biggest thing for me is what is the format that is going to get you to read or listen to the book? For me, a lot of the time, it's audiobooks because of the way my life is structured, because I like to wind down the night by cooking or playing video games or hanging out with my girlfriend, not by reading a book. I get through audiobooks. Yeah, that perfectionism know? is not going to get you anywhere. So it's yeah. definitely what is realistic. I think... 2016 is the year that I did the reading challenge, right? I'm pretty sure. Because it was know. still in Iowa and it was near the summer. Oh, that one. Yes. Yeah, maybe. So 2016, I read a ton of books because I bet you 100 bucks that I would. 2017, I didn't do that. And I read very few books until near the end when I just said, I'm just going to do everything on Audible. And I've crushed like four or five books since then. So the evidence is clear in my case. If I choose audio, I will get through books. Yeah, if, if I choose if your print, goal is to intake you know, them, then yeah. you win. If your goal is to show off to book clubs and pretend you're superior, then maybe you don't win. But yeah. also, you weren't <laughs> going to win whether or not you succeed exactly. in that goal. You just don't win there. All right, let's move on to question number four. All right, question number four. We got another one uh, behind the scenes here. How do you deal with the scripts when you're filming videos? Yeah, I got this question actually. Well, you put them one. on a contact lens and then stick them in there. That's exactly what just I do. Read the tiny, tiny words. It's exactly what I do. Yeah, I have a contact lens that just has a computer in it, and it tells me exactly what to say. It's actually an earpiece too. That'll exist. I'm someday. actually just a robot, turns out. Oh. And there's some shadowy figure in the shadows. That's why they're shadowy. Oh, whoa. And they're telling me what to say. And actually, if you play my videos backwards, it's like mind control stuff. So you know, if one out. of your videos has any sentences that appear backwards, it now is it's not, it's now canon. It's yeah, true. It was now on purpose. <laughs> the conspiracy has been set in motion. Uh, no, I, I thought this would be an interesting question. I actually got this question from a teacher recently, um, but everyone out there, I think, would be interested to hear about it. So, one of the questions that I often get with regards to my scripts is, "Do you use a teleprompter for Crash Horse?" where I flew to Missoula, Montana, and I did this series with the Crash Course team, and it's on their channel, uh, which we'll put in the show notes. I did use a teleprompter because they told me I had to. I had to write the scripts out word for word, and then they had a script supervisor who went through them and not only edited them beforehand, but she was in the room, and as I would say a line, she would be following along with a script, and if she felt that, okay, that was kind of awkward, we would actually change it up. So it was literally on the teleprompter. They wanted to make sure that they had control. And it's because they have a big team working with them. So it's a lot more important that everyone be on the same page about what's going to be said. They send the content of the script over to the graphics team far before I ever actually say it on camera because it takes them a long time to make all the little characters and animate some stuff. So I had to use a teleprompter for that. And it worked pretty well, actually. So I ended up buying a teleprompter and I put it on that camera stand up there and I tried it here and I quickly realized there is one crucial thing that you have to have to make a teleprompter work at all. And that is distance from the camera. 
I stand about three feet at mm. most from the camera lens when I film. Whereas for Crash Course, I was a good 10 feet away from it. And he had just zoomed in on me. And for whatever reason, if you're close to it, even if you zoom out, you can see the eyeballs. Oh, moving. yeah. You're just looking around. And I was told that when I, when I filmed with them, I was told that I'm actually a pretty good teleprompter reader. Like, I'm not very obvious about it. And so I thought, okay, I could start using a teleprompter and that might help speed up the video production process. It doesn't. So what I do is I write out my script. Sometimes it's word for word. The video that I'm going to film today is word for word. Uh, Sometimes it's just a basic outline and I'll sort of ad lib it. And then it is up on Google Docs on my iPad. I set the iPad on the desk, which is at standing height right now. And then I just look at it and I go, okay, I need to say this line. And then I look in the camera and I say the line until I get it right. You like memorize chunks. Yeah, it's like a sentence or two. And typically, if I'm going to do like a 10-minute video, that will be about 45 minutes of footage. And I mean, you've been in the room plenty of times. I just screw up lines. Well, there's not, there's not (laughs) like a great way to avoid that without a billion hours of practice. You know, filming's just going to take much longer than the output. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different factors. I think, um, if I practice it and if I go to bed and sleep on it and come back the next day, it's a lot smoother because of the spacing effect. Um, but also for whatever reason, filming videos gets in my head in a different way than filming podcast does. Cause I can sit here and talk to you all day and this is all one take. I mean, there might've been a cut when we had to turn the camera off because of the 30 minute time These limit would take way too long. If we but took different takes for lines there. Yeah. There's absolutely, <laughs> it's just one take the whole time. And that works out. And every single podcast I do with Andrew, listen, money matters podcast. That's all one take. We never do anything over. I don't think we've ever done anything over a single time. But for some reason, I think it's because I edit the videos because they're very well edited and put together. It gets into my head and I feel like I have to do the line perfectly, which results in me screwing it up again and again and again. So for anybody out there making videos, just keep that in mind. It's, it's going to happen. And ironically, that was a cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of the time limit, I swear. That camera is annoying. I kind of want to buy a new camera that has no time limit, but I don't know. I think I'll just try to fix that streaming thing instead. All right. What's our fifth question? That is, Good uh, sir. how do I get motivated if I am generally unmotivated? I'm not that gung-ho of a person, you know? Like, a generally unmotivated person overall, they, or they just like you've, you've fallen person. into a funk temporarily? I think in general. Hmm. Watch Rocky. Watch Rocky. That's the answer. You need a montage. I'm not going to lie. Watching Rocky motivates the hell out of me. Yeah? Like, oh, yeah. Yep. I don't um, think I've ever seen it, honestly. I think... I haven't watched it in a while, but I think I actually have a playlist of like motivational videos on YouTube. Oh yeah. And I think like Casey Neistat's fat and lazy video is on there. And it's just a video where it's, I think it's about running, but he also breaks down his daily schedule in there. And I would never want to emulate Casey Neistat's daily schedule because there's zero sleep in it and zero time for family or work. But I watch it and I think, okay, if Casey can do that on a daily basis, I can get off my butt and write this script right now at the very least, or I can go to the gym right now. So I do think that there is an emulative quality to motivation that should be exploited. So that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is 
I find that when I get into generally unmotivated periods in my life, it's because I haven't learned something new recently. It's because I've fallen into a funk. No, and nobody likes to and get doing stuck the same in a rut. Thing. Yep. I was in a rut in 2017 in Denver. We'd moved to Denver and I had, I think it was like right around the time it was starting to get cold. I just hadn't learned anything new in a while and I was kind of bored and listless. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And with me, new interests come in weird ways. Uh, so my friend Alex, who I hadn't seen in probably five years, uh, he lives in Texas. He came to visit and he came over and we just started talking about cryptocurrencies and then his friend was with him and they were really into it. And I had a hour long discussion with them. And for some reason that sparked an interest that made me really motivated. And I went and read like the white paper and I went and read mastering Bitcoin and I like know intricately all about the blockchain now just because I wanted, it was so fun to learn a new thing. And then randomly, I think I was in a coffee shop with you and we were having a conversation about how I wasn't eating all that healthy lately. And I had been eating whole foods, breakfast burritos too often and had gained like a little bit of weight. I didn't like, and I think like it was literally just, I think I should cook more. And then we went to Barnes and Noble and bought that cooking book. Yeah. And that has spawned a ridiculous interest. And I've been cooking every single night and loving it and feeling like life is much more vibrant now. And I really think it is just, you got to go out and learn new things and find things that motivate you. Yeah. Because and, they're and beautiful to learn. You find it. Exactly. You're not saying, yeah, but I'm not supposed to be doing this. Or this isn't what I'm good at. Or I don't have time. Yeah. You're just following that trail wherever it leads. And I imagine the other side of that coin, which is something you could probably talk about until the day is over, is uh, not having too many things that you're trying to do or learn. Uh, it's also unmotivating. Yes, yes. Um, that ends up becoming very overwhelming because I've done it so many times. Mm -hmm. And then I don't believe I can succeed. I'm discouraged, you know. And that's not motivating. It's not actually motivating to yep. not think you can succeed. It feels pretty pointless. Mm -hmm. So in those times, usually what what's helped, and actually what has been helping very recently, is just one manageable but slightly ambitious goal. And yeah. for me, that was, I'm going to every day, half hour, I'm going to finish this Duolingo Japanese. I don't care if it's the best way to learn Japanese. I'm just messing around. I'm just studying. I don't care. And then when I finished it, I was like, I can do things. I can actually stick to something long enough to do it again. Yeah. And now I've finished the Duolingo trees for Japanese and, and I reviewed and tested out of all of Spanish and French. And like, that is something that I wouldn't even have thought. I kept putting off in fact, yesterday, I was ready to give up the French review again, and I was like, this really? has got to be like two months worth of stuff, and I don't know, I just, I never, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, because there's no perfect answer to anything, mm -hmm. and then I did it in two hours this morning, not two months, <laughs> just because I happened to be inspired by something random, mm -hmm. so basically, when I get that inspiration, I need to act now, Yeah, I need to act immediately and accomplish something and then feel great about it, and if I can't get anything and I don't have any idea what direction I want to go, then travel and being yeah. outside mm -hmm. are just being out in the woods or the mountains or traveling. Something about nature, long car rides and hotels wakes my brain up. Yes. And I j there is never a, there's not a single time I have left home for longer than a two hour distance and not come back completely inspired with a new direction for life. Mm -hmm. Never has that happened. Yeah. I think every time I go to a conference or I go on a vacation, I come back really motivated and I just want to crush everything. Uh, and I, w I will say that I don't think it needs to be long distance travel. I think that is a very good way of 
breaking out of your comfort zone yeah. and your current routines. Uh, but like you said, going out into the woods and reconnecting with nature could be another way of doing that. Joining a new club and meeting new people and forcing yourself to talk to those people or going to a networking event in your town could be another way to do it. You just kind of have to shake up the routine because the routine is building the habits that keep you in the same state of mind that you're in. Yeah, and, and they, they might know, be helpful, but it will crush your motivation if you don't spice it up every once in a while. Yeah, you know, and pushing yourself to work intensely and doing Pomodoro techniques and doing all these weird productivity things we talk about will only get you so far. Well, if at you're trying day, to force the rest of your life, yeah, it's not going to work. Know, I'm going to succeed at this by 80 whether I like it or not. Like, what's the point of that? If you yeah. don't like it, then... There should be some forcing. There, there should, should be, be some, some discipline. But there should also be, like, a lot of, I'm so interested in this yeah. that I want to do it. Yeah, like when you're a little kid, if you don't like baseball anymore, this like Mark Manson talked about this in some post I can't remember right now, but he was like, if you're if you're a little kid and you don't like baseball and you're, like, into bugs or something now, you just quit baseball. You don't spend 14 days wondering how guilty you are and whether you're mm-hmm. losing your, 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 like, potential or, yep. or your passion or what what are other people going to think? You're just like, I don't like that. I'm just interested in pugs now. Like, we need a little Man. bit of actual interest. You can't just force the rest of your life or else it's kind of pointless. I remember being interested in bugs when I was a kid. We always go look under tons of rocks and try to find slugs and stuff. Oh, yeah. I kept that was great. grasshoppers and little little wooden yeah. cage with the fence around it. And I was yeah. like, look what I found. I caught a praying mantis once. But I did was not. Amazing. I did not try to become an entomologist. Nope. Thinking you that I liked bugs. I liked bugs that one time. So therefore, it has to be the thing I'm about. And if I'm not great at it, I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. Like that's dumb. I know. One thing you've mentioned a lot is how you've struggled with um, things you picked as hobbies in the past becoming part of your identity, and then oh, you're afraid hard. of losing that part of your identity by letting go of that thing. Well, that's like when the islands fall off in Inside Out. Yeah. You know, it's like, yep. I just lost this huge chunk of who I am, mm-hmm. and and that sucks. So, Well, one thing that I've learned, and I'm guessing you have to have learned this, but one thing I've learned is that those islands never fall away and are gone forever. You will surprisingly find yourself looping back to those things in ways that you didn't expect before. Um. When I was, I think it was my junior year of college, I took a little summer project where I was editing video for the virtual reality center. And I wasn't like, I'm going to be a video editor. It was, I want money. And this is a good way to make some extra money. And now all those skills have looped back around and enabled me to be a YouTuber. You know, and then like as part of my business, I wrote a book. And I had written a ton when I was a kid, but I never really intended to be an author. So I kind of like let those part of my parts of my identities go to make time and room for the new interests. And a lot of times you get into an interest that's able to pull something you did in the past and combine it into something new. Yeah. So I don't think you're letting go of your identity unless, unless you're like, you're letting something go and you're not doing anything with that time. Yeah. Then well, maybe you're, you're just like taking a break. You're just turning the lights off on that Island. Yeah. But it's not like, even if it loses a little bit of its clarity, with a little bit of practice or getting back into it, you'll probably remember most of everything. You will, absolutely. And, and yep. like when you need it, you'll have it. I stopped skateboarding for six years. And then I started again when we moved to Denver because there's so many skate parks. And I am easily better than I have ever been. And that was with like a week of practice getting back into it. I bought that acoustic guitar. I had gone five years after somebody stole my guitar, having no guitar, and people can go on my Instagram and look at it. I'm ten times the guitarist I was when I was younger. 
it surprisingly comes back to you in a, a very fast way. Yeah. So I like that analogy you said. You're turning the lights off on an island. You're not letting it fall away. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time to switch the light back on. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. So hopefully you enjoyed uh, these. And we will have show notes over at CIGpodcast.com slash 196. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, down in the description below, we will link to any of the stuff that we happen to mention in this episode. I don't remember what some of those things were, uh, though I do know we talked about Rocky. That's it. We're just, it's nice just going to be a link to Rocky. It's just Rocky. That's yep. it. <laughs> it's such a good movie. And I know that I'm like a bad film watcher for this, but my favorite one is Rocky Four. <laughs> I've never seen that one either. Rocky One is like the best one because it's based on a true story and he loses in the end. Like it's kind of realistic and like there's this great buildup and it's great storytelling. And then two, three and four is just like Rocky always wins no <laughs> matter what, which I mean, it has some cool motifs in it, but it's, it's just like, you know, Rocky wins. It's like, it's like Dragon Ball Z, but more enjoyable. It's like Dragon Ball Z basically. Or I would say Dragon Ball Z is like Rocky. Okay. I would not be surprised if Dragon Ball Z was inspired by Rocky. Actually. Now that I think about it, Dragon Ball Z is so good. But anyway, there's going to be show notes and there's going to be links and there's all kinds of cool stuff on there. Uh, And then also you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram since I mentioned that. The links are in the show notes and down in the description below on YouTube. So thank you so much for watching and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you.